Welcome to the Savage Podcast. I'm your host, Matt McChesney. Uh, <clears throat> it is my honor and pleasure to uh, have a, a pretty kick-ass guest on here today. Uh, my ex-teammate, uh, a UFC fighter, a stand-up comedian, a, podco- a, pod- a podcast host, and an overall bad whiskey connoisseur, a cigar-smoking, ass-kicking, bad motherfucking big brown, thick boy, Brandon Schaub's in the house. My man, what's happening? What's up, big dog? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, bro. It's good to see you. I'm glad you had the time to carve out today. I know you're busy. Yeah, uh, for you, anything, man. Look at that. Look at that setup, dude. Look, yeah, you, man, you know, we got to keep it classy here at six zero. I, I love the the thick the thick boy shit. When you guys when you came out with the thick uh, clothing line, it was bro. That shit is the shit. By the way, it yeah. only it fits fat people perfectly. Let me yeah. Tell you. So, yeah, man. But some guys that hit me up, like uh, when I'm on the road on tour, I'll do the meet and greets. I'm like, hey, man, you don't have any five axes? I'm like, no, no, I don't. It's not, it's not fat boy clothing, it's yeah. thick boy clothing. Yeah, go to a big and tall store. Yeah, no, I absolutely do not, sir. No, we don't. Yeah. All right. So, look, you got a lot going on. You just finished up your first tour of stand up, which I'm sure kicked ass. You were all over the country. You start again in June or January. And you've got your bar stool thing tomorrow. Just elaborate on all that before we get into what we're doing here. Yeah, so the 2022 tour is over. Your boy was uh, on the road non-freaking-stop. That's why I have two nuts hanging off my eyes now. I'm yeah. exhausted. Um, and I awesome. got two young, you, two young kiddos, too, man. So I get no rest. But, uh, yeah, the tour was great, man. The tour was great coming out of the pandemic. You know, during the pandemic, the lockdowns, you could only really play Arizona, Texas, and Florida. So now it's, you know, kind of over with. It's was, it was fun to get back into some of these other markets. So we ended the tour in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, now I get to chill, you know, focus on the kiddos and, uh, you know, the Thick Boy Network and do that stuff. And um, I'll be doing spots around town because you don't want to take too long off, you know. It's, it's a bad yeah. So I'll be doing spots. Fucking, yeah, yeah. Hot, homie. yeah dog, you got it. Otherwise, you're gonna lose it. So uh, I'll be doing spots around LA until probably mid January. Then we'll announce a big, a big tour in January. So back on the road, dude. And then yeah, tomorrow night, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I do those Calabas fight companions. It's yeah. like fight companions do Joe Rogan. So the idea came from you know Rogan. That's his baby. Fight companion was his baby. And then Joe moved to Texas. And, uh, you know, Joe's like an older brother to me. So we talk all the time. And I go, man, you know what I missed the most out of, you know, everyone moved during the pandemic and all that stuff. I said, I missed the campaigns. It's the funnest I ever had. And he goes, I do too, man. I'm just too busy. Hopefully I can do some. He goes, but you should do it. You should run with the fight campaigns. Good idea. He's like, yeah, do it, man. I was like, have your blessings. Like, hell yeah. I'm like, say less. So then I watched Cal Bass's fight companion. And, uh, you know, we've been doing about a year now and it's fun. And, you know, it's not Joe Rogan, Eddie Bravo and Brian Callen, the original Rat Pack, but we, you know, it's a different group every time, which makes it different fun. You know, some are great, some are, you know, different, but, uh, we've been trying to work on this deal with Barstool for probably about two years. And finally we got the green light. So tomorrow night Barstool has their own fight league called rough and rowdy, where it's just mayhem. Like they had some like. West Virginia lady with no teeth, former meth addict versus, uh, you know, some some wrestling chick. You know, they have uh, two small people fighting that a 6'9 dude fighting. Small people? You yeah. mean midgets? <laughs> yeah. You said it, not me. I'm in L.A., man. So he said it, which I love. That's why I love you, dude. Um, it's just mayhem. So 
the lineup we have for that is nutso. As we have, and it's uh, live on Think Boy YouTube at 5 p.m. Pacific, and we're watching, and, and it's going to be screen, like there's going to be a mini screen so people can see the Rough and Rowdy pay-per-view, just not the main event. You, you can watch it with us on the main event. So, uh Barstool's going to be doing their thing in person uh, at the fights in, uh, I think it's in Providence, Rhode Island, which is coincidence, but in Providence, Rhode Island, and it's Dave Portnoy, Big Cat, you know, Robbie, all Perfect. the boys are going to be doing their thing. And then you can also watch ours, and it's me, Donald Cerrone, Rampage Jackson, Teddy Swims, I know, Teddy Swims, and um, Adam22. So it's going to be, it's gonna be oh. a big boy, man. So God we have damn. that. I know, dude. I can't wait. And so we have, and I just get drunk and try to control the ship, but it's, it gets out of control. Sometimes we talk about octopus for an hour and people are like, what about the fights? I'm like, oh yeah, there's fights on. Um, and then Saturday we have the regular fight companion, uh, combat fight companion. It's for UFC 282. It's uh, Brian Callen, uh, Sam Tripoli, and Frank Grillo and me. I so, love it. Man. So, man, yeah, the next time you see, uh, the next time you see BC, Slap him real hard on the back for me and say the 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 bear covered in human skin says hello. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I bring you up, he's like he's. He, whenever I bring you up, he's like he is such a big man. I'm like, yeah, he's a football player. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How big? Yeah, yeah. He can come climb me like a tree if he wants to. A little weirdo. Yeah, I'm like, um, he's less gay, Brian. Yeah, I know he's a big guy. Yeah, could you be okay. like gay? Yeah. Hey, at least at least somebody's calling me sexy. I'll take it at this point. I do. Uh, I man, I'm aging like freaking like a. It's not good. Let's. But I'm aging no, like right, gravity 40. sucks, bro. We'll just put it like that. Oh, and I'm. I'm, my, I'm, my, I'm my, are starting to sag. Oh, dude, gravity's <laughs> kicking my ass. I'm I'm down on the cards 10-8, man. It is. I'm slowly turning to Joey. Undefeated. Fatone. Undefeated. Yeah. I look like Joey Fatone right now. I don't know oh what's happening. God, that's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, so let me uh let me start with this. The stand-up career that you went into. Yeah. How hard is it not to yell at people in the crowd? But I love how you interact with people in the crowd too. The, tell me about that give and take because I've always been a, a, like astonished by it. Yeah, so it it now it's uh now I love it now it's, and it's it's weird it happens I mean certain markets like uh you know the the markets everyone thinks about like Boston can be tough New York um you know uh, Philly they can be harsh crowds if you know if, if they're not feeling the material when I was first, you know I've been doing stand up almost eight years now I've been headlining six years so you know when I first started if someone you'd bluster me a little bit because you don't have the chops you know you just right. like, this is not good. And you just power through to try to ignore it. And hopefully security gets to them. But once you've been doing it long enough, if someone says something, you can engage with them. You know, I do a, I did a show for four years with Theo Vaughn. It was a roast show. So me and him would just roast each other. So that built my chops to light people up. Cause Theo's like the locker room all over. Again. Yeah, bro. It's a, you know, and I grew up in locker room. So especially if I can see them, I'm like, Oh dude, it's on. No, bro. <laughs> And then the fans love it. The fans absolutely love it. And dude, funny story about the hecklers. I was playing Baltimore like three months ago, and I've never played Baltimore. One of the only places I've never played. And uh, when I booked it, every comic you know, Schultz, Tim Dillon, Chris Stefano, Joey Diaz, everyone, Joey Diaz is like, dude, he, he's like, Brendan Chop, you don't want to, you, you got to be careful in Baltimore. Yeah, the fucking savage. The fucking <laughs> savages, Brendan Chop. And I go, okay. So I was like nervous going on stage. All good Thursday, great crowds. Friday, all good. I text all of them in group text. I'm like, you guys are bitches, man. This is, what's, what do you mean rough crowd? You ever played Philly? You know, and these are like veteran comics. Like, yeah, maybe you just got lucky. Saturday night. Uh, the guy, so the, the feature before him, his name's David Lucas. 
Now he's a professional roaster. He's like a, a roaster. Ro he's the, they call him the roast master. He has merch of roasting. He's on the roast show, you know, on online. He's done roast battles. He's the champion of roasting. So whenever we, if anyone get heckles him, we all come out of the green room just to watch him light him up. He's made people cry like savage, dude. Savage. The, the big fat black, so savage. Oh, dude, you would let ruthless, dude. So uh there's this lady in the front row who keeps heckling him and he just like, I mean, destroys her for 30 minutes. The crowd's going wild. And I was like, all right, well, hopefully that calms her down. So he comes back to the green room when he gets off. And he goes, hey, man, that lady and her husband might be an issue. He goes, I did my best to pipe him down, light him up, but just be weary of it. I'm like, all oh, good. I'm sure you embarrassed the hell out of him. I'm sure she can pipe down. So I, I can see and it was like a small type theater. She's on the, the second rafters. Right. And I can see out of the corner of my eye, like she's talking, but nothing, you know, nothing, she's not saying anything to me, but her husband's. Her husband, they won't get talking, so people are yelling at them to okay. shut up. And her husband's taking Kit Kats, and he's throwing it at the table below him. And I, in my head, as I'm in the middle of my set, in my head, I'm like, that can't be good. But I, no one's going to do anything. In the middle of my probably 10 minutes in my act, I see this dude scale the, the bleachers, scale the freaking stands, gets up there. I'm like, what's that? The whole crowd turns around, and, you know, my crowd's not really the crowd to do those shenanigans. Like these no, guys, my crowd's real. Fight. Yeah, my crowd's real cock fest. A lot of yeah. dudes who train and tattoo. <laughs> yeah, you, I'll see a face tattoo every <laughs> now. <and then. laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So this, he was throwing it just at the wrong bro, dude. And this guy scales the bleachers, gets up there, and the whole crowd turns around, and he jumps off the freaking stand. Superman punches this dude in the face. Walk. <laughs> and this this guy was probably like 50 he must have wrestled in like junior high he shoots a double leg and this guy's just wailing on his ass the crowd's like yeah get him get him and the whole crowd's like chanting like get him cheering turns into this like weird cock fest thing and then like straight up fighting cock fest like not good and in my head i'm like oh how the hell am i gonna get this crowd back and then some young man in the front row he's like 18 or 19 he yells loud as he could, goes, twist his dick off. And the whole crowd starts laughing. Grab his dick and twist it. Oh, my God, dude. This is an MMA fight, dude. It's you too much. twist that dick. Twist his dick. <laughs> twist his dick. Oh, my God. Oh, dick twist. <laughs> and I noted that. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Thank you. Thank God. Thank God. So... Once the security got them, kicked everybody out, kicked everybody out. And so I'm like, can, can I get back to my act down? They're like, please. They start clapping. I go, oh, move on. I said, who shouted twist his dick off? This young kid raised his hand. I'm like, twist his dick off, dude? So then the way, the way to navigate it, you know, without freaking out, because stand up, you're a lion tamer. You're basically a lion tamer where if that lion realizes he can get over on you, you're, you're screwed. You're going to lose it. You know, you're going to get killed. So, you you know, you got to you gotta show authority there. So, I'm twist doing my thing. Off. Oh, dude. Twist his dick off. I'm like, well, that's gold. So, I, I dress him. I make jokes about twisting his dick off. I was like, man, you really want to see a dick get twisted off, dude? He's like, yeah, that'd be great. I'm like, All right, two hands or one? What are we talking to? So, then I go, where's the guy that uh superman punched the heckler and they're like security kicked him out i went no 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 i said i'm not gonna start this show till he comes back in here and i was like that guy is a hero so the crowd's like yeah bring him back so i look at my guys my whole team's there and i go go get him if he's out in the parking lot go get him 
Two seconds later, they walk him in, and the crowd goes nuts. They break, you know, they're going nuts. I go, and he's walking in his seat. I go, no, no, get up here, dude. You're a goddamn hero. He comes on stage, and, and everyone's chanting for him, finally quiet down. I go, I got one question for you, man. He goes, why? I go, did you twist his dick off? And he's like, there's no dick grabbing, dude. I was like, oh, it's a shame. My man right Bummer. here, my man right here want to get that dick twisted, dude. But, you know, so... Now it's weird, dog. <laughs> oh, it's a weird gig, dude. Now, now with hecklers, it's like uh, it'll make the show though, because you never get like a, you know, you never get like a, a a hot, attractive person heckling you. It's always like some warlock where you're like, dude, a gargoyle. It's like, yeah, how do you think this is gonna end for you? I do this for a living, dude, and I'm literally gonna get a bit out of this, you idiots, man. So it's like, you know. I gotta come see one of your shows, sit in the front, so you can just make fun of me the whole time, and I'll just act like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, oh fuck, I don't know. He doesn't know who I am. Oh, uh, dude, it'd be so much fun. We gotta get you on. We gotta get you on a companion. We gotta get you on a fight companion. Please do. Yeah. Do you, ever, do you ever tell any of the stories from school? Like, do you remember the night in front of the foundry? I'm all, I, I'm pretty. I'm almost positive this was you. And yeah, it was you. And you and that dude was talking shit to Klopp, and you just came out of nowhere. And you're like, hey, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. I Klatt, a few uh, years ago, when he was uh, on Fox doing not, you know, Klatt's question. Now he's like the face yeah. of football. He's fucking killing it. And we still talk every now and then. And all I keep up with all the boys. And uh, someone, uh, he's doing a QA on Twitter, and someone goes, <laughs> Best college story about Brendan Schaub. And, you know, he had a million questions on there. He's like, oh, dude, this one time I was with him in Klopp. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, we were downtown and these guys tried jumping him. And he goes, and we didn't know he could fight. And then we see him head kicking people. <laughs> yeah. And, and Klopp was like, we we're like, what the hell? And the guy was like, holy, that's a great story. Klopp's like, yeah, man, don't mess with him. But and at that uh, moment, everyone was like, fighter. Don't yeah, fight, yeah, fighter. But this guy's definitely gonna get CT. A football been <laughs> fighting well. No, no, no shit to that. All right. Well, look, bro. Wait, real quick before we, before we move on. Yeah. You know, you know who surprised me in Providence, Rhode Island. Hmm. So uh, we had like this weird like threat. Like the, I have this stalker. So security was like all over the place, and the head security guy comes in the back and he goes, "Hey, man, there's a guy named Gary Moore here." Shut the fuck up. Yeah, and I go, Gary? Big, big Gary? Big Gary. Big Gary. I, go, I go, is he huge? And he goes, no, he's like this small black guy. I go, oh, that's someone pretend to be Gary Moore. And my brother goes, if your stalker did his research, and, you know, I've done Gary since I was in fourth grade. We played yeah, together. Like you guys went to high school together, didn't you? Went to high school together, yeah. roommates in college. Like, I've known Gary forever. And my brother goes, if this stalker posed to be Gary Moore and he comes in here on stilts and blackface, he deserves to shoot you. I was like, you ain't lying. That is, that is Gary Moore's like six nine, three fifty. Shoot. <laughs> so the guy goes, No, he's a small black guy. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I go, Stalker. I go, I bet that's the, the Gary's friend. And he goes back out and he goes, he says Gary's coming, but he just wants you to know. I go, when Gary gets here, you bring him to this green room. So Gary and his wife came, man. They flew up from Atlanta to see me. And, dude, nice. I didn't speak hug. I posted the picture. Me and him talked for a freaking an hour, man. I was late to the meet and greet, just talked to him for an hour. He's crushed. Yeah, he has seven kids, dude. Yeah, Gary, Gary likes to 
He ain't fucking around. <laughs> he is fucking around, though. You know, it's yeah, like, fucking not yeah. fucking around, but he is fucking around. That's yeah, but he is. Yeah, it was so yeah. good to see him, though, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that he's still fucking kicking it and, and still doing his thing. Gary, <laughs> Gary was one of like my first clients ever at six zero way back in the day. I remember working him out at like five a.m. Him and his and his brother. You remember his brother? Hell yeah! It yeah. was Jamal or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and his brother used to come in and like push sleds and swing hammers, trying to lose weight and shit. And then, like, right when football season started, he was like, yeah, I'll be back in January. And I was like, come yeah. on, peace, Gary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gary was, you know, even in middle school, like, we played for the uh, the AYL, the Centaurs. He was, like, 6'6", 300 pounds. And, Fucking you know, massive, bro. Pop Warner. And when he came in, you know, my, my comics, they don't know, you know, football, anything like that. It's like, is he in the NFL? I'm like, he should be. He just, needed, he just needed more of that. He just needed more tenacity. Like, he yeah. was – He's a gentle, you know, butterfly. That's a guy. God bless him. You know, he's one of the nice guys on the fucking planet. But can you imagine if he was like mean like you? Oh, dude. Like, if can you had... imagine if he had a mean streak like oh, that, bro? It'd it, it be like, everybody run. Yeah, dude. He's he's Orlando Pace. Like, or he's, like you remember Victor you know, Rogers? The whole thing. Yeah. 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 He, he'd be like Vic. Like Vic was Correct. like mean Gary. Yes. Gary. Correct. Vic. Yeah, man. Yeah. Gary's <laughs> such a sweet soul, man. But it's good to see him doing well. And I, yeah, it, it Dude, such a throwback. I was like, Gary Moore? Yeah, dude, that's yeah. awesome. I'm glad that there wasn't the stalker in your soul life. Yeah, me All too. All right, so moving forward here. Um, the great Brendan Shop joining us here on the Savage Podcast. Thank you to Travis Jones behind the scenes for all he does. Uh, all right, let's get into this, brother. Primetime Deion Sanders is the coach of our Buffaloes. We both played together at CU. Uh, you know, your most famous, famous play, in my opinion, is – Opening that hole for Vickers to fucking kill that dude on the goal line. Just yes. to, yep. we were we were there at a time where it was NFL players everywhere. If you didn't if you didn't come to work every day, you never played. There was bad motherfuckers on the field. We had attitude. We had swag. Everybody knew that it was going to be a sixty minute fist fight with the bus every week. Right. We didn't win every game, but we were damn sure never embarrassed. In my opinion, right. maybe once or twice. Oh, um, Texas, Texas, <laughs> once or twice. Seventy to three was tough, but yeah, carry yeah, on. That was a, that was a rough game. We're also um, one of the greatest teams of all time, but still, and, and it's in a championship game too. So I, it's hard for me to like look at the same way I look at some of these other losses. Oh, 100%. Over the last two decades, bro, it has been, especially since we moved to the Pac-12, it's been bad, to say the least. How do you, how would you clarify it other than bad? Um, I would say lack of leadership, lack of talent. When you talk about, especially the teams we played on, how tough we were, uh, you know, that started with Gary Barnett, but really it started with you. Like you were a no nonsense guy, and, you know, when you're at the, you. the, when you're at the helm of it and you're the captain, the, it sets a standard. So you were a badass. So in correlation, we were all badasses. Like in order to play, not only did you have to be insanely talented, we were tough, man. You gotta, be, you gotta have it up here. Well, dude, we, like, you weren't going to break us, man. You just weren't going to break us. The only reason why, you know, we didn't reach by top five status was, you know, we just went too hard. We ended up getting injured, and guys, get, you know, we just broke our toys because we were yeah, too I, I agree. Up. I agree with That's that. All but, like, all those – look back at all those tight games that we played in for all those years. We always won tight games. You either beat the shit out of us or we beat you. Okay? That's how it went. So – now that Dion's back in, in Boulder, I just got done this morning meeting with the entire, like pretty much the whole staff. He gets back in tonight. I'm back up there tomorrow. They are changing things to say the least. It's a mass, there's a mass exodus going on and then a mass migration. 
How excited are you for, just listen to what I'm about to say to you, Doug. Deion fucking Sanders is the head coach of our football team. Go. Bro, bro, <laughs> dude, so when, when it first kind of got news, you and I were texting back and forth, and I was like, man, I think there's a legit chance. And then I, I talked about it on my show, and I post about it on social media, and everyone's like, you know Dion's from Southern uh, Florida, and he has an offer from Southern Florida. He's not going to see you. And I was like, there's a chance because, don't get me wrong, I'm sure Southern Florida's great and the weather's great, but they don't have the legacy of University of Colorado football. Like, there's history. They're like, see you. Even, you know, it's been tough lately, but they're, they're a big boy program. You just, you're like, y'all must have forgot. Like, if just a casual fan, when you talk about CU, yeah, it's been tough lately to be a CU buff fan, but – you know, back in the day, we're as tough as they come. So for Dion, I think he sees that. And then also, you know, I also posted us on my Instagram, like when he went in and was like, I'm just going to let you guys know, like I'm bringing luggage, like, and it's Louie. And so, it's Louie. And yeah, and it's Louie, which means we're getting top 10 talent here. And then also some of y'all ain't going to make the cut. People are like, oh, this is so ruthless. Like, why would he do this? But I think, and I don't, I'm sure I would assume you feel the same way. I'm like, you don't realize how cutthroat it is. Like, hey, that's man. how sports are. That was even that bad. I've been in situations way worse than Bro, that. That was like, way that was, worse. Look, that's him being I, cool. When I was a, a freshman in college, okay, you, you, weren't, you weren't there yet, but I, when did you get there? In 02? Uh, yeah, yes, sir. 02. So I was there in 2000, and Coach Wilson, the great Coach Wilson, who's Love probably him. the most ruthless human being on earth. Oh, he'd he get canceled today. He'd get canceled today. The stuff no, he, he would say canceled. to you guys? They, they fired him. They got rid of him. They, they canceled him. He was oh. too mean. Like, that's what everybody said up there. He was too mean. We couldn't play for anybody that mean. And I was like, he was perfect for me. That's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him. What are you talking about? Too mean. He was <laughs> so I, 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 I remember him the first day that we didn't go to breakfast club, which was if you don't go to 8 a.m. breakfast club, you're in trouble as a freshman. Yep. None of us went. He walked in and he started humping the projector in front of me and looked right at me and said, this morning, I had three freshmen that fucked me. And now I'm going to fuck you. And we ran the entire stadium with a 45-pound plate over our head yeah, man. until we were, like, puking on yep. ourselves. Yep. And he was like, you got to go to breakfast club? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Well, they're catching bullets over in Afghanistan right now. I can send you over there. And I'm like, fuck. This guy's ruthless. He's ruthless, but you guys you guys were in line, and you guys were bad. You guys were as tough as they come. Like I got a degree and played in the NFL, and thank you, Coach Wilson. I love you. Agree, man. It's just, it's just, it's, you know, it's a representation of the culture that we're in right now. It's like, hey, man, the military, you know, not to compare sports with military, I'm saying how strict it is. Like, it has to be cutthroat, man. Like, you got to make boys into men. And for when, when Dion did that and he got some backlash and all that stuff, I was like, oh, that is, that is PG stuff. What he's doing, you guys have no, like, for society who's never been in those Division One programs that are professional sports, that isn't shit, dude. So Nothing. he did that. And then also, you can't blame him. So, you know, losing's contagious. It, it's a trend. So that's all those guys know. So if I'm Dion and my career is predicated on winning football games, I don't want that mentality. That losing mentality, get out of here. Like, you guys are out of here. You guys accept that. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. So, you know, I thought it was funny, too, when he goes, uh, you see right there, and points to his son. He goes, "That's your starting quarterback." That's I was quarterback. like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah." So, so okay, you played on some really good offenses back in the day. You've been around a ton of great players. 
You've been immersed in the most competitive individual sport in my life, in, in my opinion, in the world yes. uh, for, for years now. What do you want to see them and like where, what direction do you want to see you to take? Cause I know damn well, you're going to be up there in Boulder next year. I can only imagine you and I are going to be sitting on a sideline somewhere talking shit on a radio show here pretty soon. 100%. Like busting with the boys have already said they're coming. Game day says they're coming to Nebraska on the eighth, walk the gates. Like, dude, this shit is about to. What do you want to it, see? Yeah, it couldn't, it couldn't have been a better hire for CU because there hasn't been a, any kind of hype or there's no talk about CU in a hot second. So just signing Dion is such a big deal. But with that comes a high expectation. So I do think people need to set their expectations. Like, don't get me wrong, Jackson State football is quality football. It ain't University of Colorado football. It's like, not Pac-12 football. Not no, like, we, we, yeah, we have to play Oregon, USC, UCLA. Too. I don't think they leave next year, but in a few years they we, leave. We have, them, we have them each one more time, and then they skedaddle. Yeah, so it's still his first year he's playing USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon. It's a far cry from Jackson State. So I do think the people – they're not. It's just the way social media works, but – I do think people need him some grace period because if you look at Florida State, who made the change in their head coach, you know, he, he was there for three years. And when he came in, they won four games. We were like, oh, what are we doing? Next year, won six games. Like, uh, come on, dude. We have a standard here. He's like, I know. I got to get my system in. And then next year, they win eight games. Then now, you know, they're top or whatever, 15. So now they're 10-win team and going to the Yeah, it takes a little while to get that role. So I just think people need to be patient with Dion, But, I, you know, the, the one thing that does scare me, but listen, I'm a betting man. I'll bet on Deion, Deion Sanders, University of Colorado football all day long. But, you know, it, there is, you know, with these high expectations, it, there's a lot to get done, man. And, you know, his son being a quarterback at Jackson State, he looks good going against Jackson State, uh, you know. Competition, going against yeah, Southern. Miami, yeah, he looks great. He looks great. That's a, again, there's such a difference between grambling and, you know, those other teams that he's playing against or in practice against Jackson State and then Washington, Oregon, USC, UC, it's Nebraska, night, yeah. night, night and day difference. Night. So I just think we do have to set our expectations. I think Dion knows it's a lot to, that he bit, you know, a lot to swallow because he, he took a big bite in the big program. So. You know, I think it's going to go well this year, but slowly and get better, slowly get better, especially with the, you know, college football has changed that NIL. Is that what it, the NIL? Oh, yeah, name, image, and likeness. I, I was literally just up there meeting with the staff. Dion's not there. He doesn't get back until tonight. And I go back up there tomorrow to meet with him. But it, the entire conversation was the high school kids for about 30 minutes and NIL transfer portal for the next hour. And it's yeah. like all these, all these, I don't care if the guy's on a roster or not. Can you get a hold of them? You know, like what kind of money are they throwing at them? Blah, blah, blah. Like it's it's questions and it's crazy. Like it's crazy that college football has evolved into this like Wild West mercenary style. Like I, I'm really glad we played when we did because I needed to develop as a player and as a man, bro. And I, I feel like that's the only thing that's missing out of this entire situation. I agree, but when you talked about the, you know, the college players being compensated, where I'm torn with it, you know, I don't know how you feel, but um, I, I wanted to get paid, bro. The, all those fucking conference championship games and big games. I know. I would have liked to get a little bit of that bread. But me too. My my only my, and I agree with you. And they should be compensated. My my only problem with that is 
Well, now they're looked at professional athletes, and now you can get the super schools that have the most money to pay the players. Yeah. So now it's straight prof- now you're dealing with professional sports. So yep. the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the USC's, like look how good USC is now. They were trash the last right. five years. And then, you know, homeboy goes over the, the coach from uh, Oklahoma, brings the quarterback with him, and because they're getting paid, he gets all these other guys with him. But yep. he just didn't bring any defense, which was his problem. But, you know, so now it's like money is what's going to predicate who's getting the, you know, the, the, the wins these days, which I'm torn between it because there has to be a love for the game still, you know, so. It can't it, just be money motivated. When no, you're like, you can't. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it, that doesn't help kids find out who they are inside. Yeah. Cause you said it helps you get the back. Yeah, exactly. And you were saying that, um, yeah, it, it, it helps you get the bag. And then also, you're going to be working your ass off in order to get that bag and get to the well, NFL. Well, think about this too. Like the NFL bag, how much, if you're a, a draft pick, shit, even if you're undrafted, I signed for 3,500 bucks as an undrafted free agent, but I made a team as a rookie. So I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess I can't guess it all worked out. Like yeah, if, if you, if you are looking at say a $300,000 NIL deal and you're like, wow, that's a lot of money. That ain't shit. That's nothing. Great. That's nothing. That's fucking pennies. The $30 million contract in the NFL, that's what we want. Yeah, because, and, uh, you know, partly on that too, it's like, um, you know, I, 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 my success and financial success came much later in life. Like even when I was in the UFC, I wasn't balling. Like I wasn't making much money at all. When I retired, uh, when I decided to walk away from it, you know, I probably had $800 in my bank account. I wasn't owning any property, anything like that. So I wasn't like balling. I was, I was living check to check, fight to fight, which was stressful. I didn't start making money till I got into entertainment and the, you know, the Hollywood entertainment business and doing stand up and podcasting. So I was, you know, damn near, you know, I was 20 mid late twenties, you know, so, and I did have some life experience. So I knew how to manage that money and manage the fame or whatever. But those kids who are, you know, 18, 19, 20, and, you know, like that quarterback, uh, Jalen uh, was a uh, homeboy for Alabama. Yeah. You know, uh, those, what's kids, his those, name? Kids, those kids getting a million bucks or whatever much they're making. I just, I, it can't be good. And it has to be in today's culture. Like we compare ourselves to everybody else. So if, you know, when you were playing, let's say, you know, you were a stud, you were captain of the team. So you went on to the NFL. So let's say you were making, I don't know, to be fair, let's to, to exaggerate here. Let's say you're making $2 million a year playing football. Okay. University of Colorado. Okay. And the guy on the, on the opposite side of the line to you, the other defense tackles, maybe making 20 grand. He's not marketable. He's a decent player. He's making 20 grand. You're pulling up in a Ferrari at practice. You're living in a house in Boulder. You know, you live in John Bonet Ramsey's old house. It's haunted as shit, but you're paying the, you know, you're paying the <laughs> lease. You remember when Doc took us in the basement? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We have to tell the story. You brought it up, Doc. So, it's it's insane. Insane. For a second. so we're, we're at a fight. We're watching Tyson, what Tyson Lennox Lewis, right? Yeah. We're yeah. watching Tyson Lennox Lewis in, in John Benet Ramsey's house backyard. <laughs> Doc Priest, the great Doc Priest, walks up and goes, Hey, 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 all you boys, come down to the basement. <laughs> and we, we walk in this basement, and he's like, <clears throat> This is where it happened. And we're like, What? And he goes, John Benet. And we're all like, What the fuck is yeah, What are you doing? <laughs> I go, uh, do you think this place haunted? He goes, I don't believe in that shit. I'm like, God bless you, man. 
I'm out of here, dude. But yeah, I ran up the stairs so fast, dog. I was like, I'm gone, bro. He's what are you doing? He's only got to rent it. Got a hell of a deal. And it was a dope crib. But uh, oh, shit, nobody wanted to rent the house, so Doc got it cheap. Oh no, yeah, dude, wow. he's insane. But yeah, my point is, before we went on the jump, it's just like, you know, I'm saying like, it's going to create a divide amongst the team. Because if you're balling, I'm suffering, I'm, you know, I'm living like a college kid. I'm I'm in a dorm eating the, you know, the dorm food, stuff like that. You're balling out with the new Jordans and stuff. It's like, you can't make the other players feel good. There has to be a sense of jealousy. So it's a lot of variations for all these guys to figure out. I, I do not admire them. And I, I think Dion has his work cut out for him, but the one thing that I know I can depend on with Dion is the talent follows him. The, 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 he's going to get big boys. So it comes down to coaching. And this is the other thing people need to get their mind right. Dion's not some offense or defensive mastermind. He is, he's basically like the, the P Diddy, the Shug Knight. He's going to put it all. He's the a CEO. Yep. Yeah. He's the CEO, the offense and defense coordinator, which they're lined up. Great people are going to be the ones calling you know, the X's and O's. If you're expecting Dion to, you know, teach these kids, you know, man cover and stuff, no, no, no. He can give them insight, but yeah. he's not the, you know, the Nick Saban or these. He's other there to figure ahead and run, run the recruiting and get guys there. I met with that. I met with Lewis, the coach from Kent State, that left the head coaching job to come be the OC. I met with him this morning, and he's he's got his shit together, bro. You can tell he's a head coach. Really? So. Like they've got, they've got multiple head coaches on their staff. They just got a, another coach from the SWAC to leave his head coaching position. Well, they got that as well. They got that that defense coordinator. He's not the official defense coordinator for Alabama, but he's like the co defense coordinator. Co defense, yeah, they got. But you know he's badass. Alabama, and you know he's bringing people with him. You know he's bringing Alabama guys. Yeah, so, so that, that, that. yeah, me too. That's the expectations fans and you know CU Buffalo should have is Dion is going to orchestrate and put together the best team we've seen in years. Years, but he's not the the play caller. So have your expectations. Like if you can come at Dion, whatever. If there's a controversial field goal or fourth down call, that's Decision, not a yeah, yeah. That's that's not him. He's literally going to put together you know the best team possible and give the kids inspiration and put in the pieces. To he's CEO, like you said, to to make sure we're successful. You know what I think is awesome. Before we get you out of here, I know you're busy. I'm ch- I know, dude. For, I get all the time in the world for you. All right, good. Well, never mind then. Uh, well, one thing that I think is really cool is, like, you remember when we were growing up, like, I know we're going to date ourselves right now, but, like, you go home and watch MTV Jams or MTV, yo, MTV Raps or whatever. Hell yeah. And they'd be fucking, Ice Cube would pull up in his Impala with a CU hat on and fucking, you know, like, they're up there in the Coy Detmer jersey fucking. Yeah, it was cool. Shit, yeah, it was right? cool. It was cool. It's like, oh, my God, CU football is so fucking cool, man. And I live in Colorado. This place is so awesome. Yes. So now I can't, like, who do you think we're going to see first on the sideline? with Rick Ross, Snoop, like, he's bringing everybody, dog. We got Tom Brady endorsing the program and shit. Yeah, like, dude. Dog, this is fucking big time. Like, I, 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 I need a concert with, like, Rick Ross and mother, <laughs> motherfucking T.I. Let's go. Good. Let's go. Yeah, the whole, like, whole announcement. I, I literally think Dion's going to change the game. You know, De- Dion's going to change the game because – He's a showman, man. That's what made he had the talent. Obviously, once in a lifetime talent at cornerback, but he was an entertainer showman. So you know how to market, mm-hmm. and he's bring that same swag to see you. So yeah, you're right. See, hasn't been cool in a long ass time. And you know, I welcome anybody who wants to jump on the bandwagon now, man. It's it's gonna be. I I cannot wait, man. But again, they're not gonna win ten games next year. That'd be insane to think. But in the current 
you know, climate of college football, it's possible. That's possible. But if you, if you're saying that Dion's first year was a failure because he didn't win eight or nine games, you're that's out of your correct. mind. You're out of your mind. If they can make a bowl game with look just off the top of my head, they're, they're at TCU. That's a playoff team. They're not going to be as good, but fuck that's playoff team. Home against Nebraska, home against CSU. That's, I don't know if you could get a better home schedule to open the season than that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the Pac-12 schedule is going to be what it always is, hard. Yep. So yep. if they can get six, seven wins and they can build on it and, like, next, I feel like next year is when the momentum really happens, when people see the success, wrap it up, bro. Like, this is, this is why I've been not – look, I love my university to death, and I'm going to support it whether they're 11-1 and one or 1-11. One and 11. And I've, I've been up there trying to help every staff from the beginning of time. Since I got done doing this, I'm up there with them trying to feed them players and get them going. And today was one of the first times – not to say the other staffs didn't want to recruit the kids. I know they did. I don't think they had the ability to recruit them. Like they didn't have the ability to keep a Josh Bates or a Zach Henning or oh, hey. they didn't they couldn't keep these kids in the state with the coaches they had up there. And now, now I've got people reaching out to me asking how they can go there rather than like, well, yeah, see you offered me. That's cool. I'm glad they offered me. I guess I'll go there if. Okay. Now there's no more if. No. Now yeah, it's it's the it's cool. And you know, Dion's gonna bring the talent, man. I'm 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 so excited to see it. I, I literally, I cannot wait. I, you know, I thought it was funny too. The AD came out and was like, uh, I need to figure out, we don't have the money to pay Dion, but we're going to figure it out. I'm like, I like that talk. I like that out of you by any means necessary. It's literally the biggest hire they could do, you know, and Dion, I was, you know, I was watching first, first take today with Stephen A. Smith, some other people. And they're like, Oh, you know, how do you feel about Dion leaving Jackson state? I, we think it's messed up. He promises kids are going to stay there. I'm like, Shit. what do you think you start? You think he got started starting coach uh, head coaching in college football should just be the best Jackson state head coach of all time. No, dude, you it's, it's he's trying to get to a destination. And to be honest, I bet CU has Dion for five to six years. Then he's going to go to Florida state or uh, Penn state. Or if it goes well, he'll go to USC. So uh, no, if, if he builds it and, and does it correctly. And the school is better off than when he got there, which I don't know how you can get me fucking worse. Then thank you, Prime. You'll I always agree. be a part of this place. We love you. Like agree. people in Boulder have to stop with this. Like, oh my God, this could happen. Shit. You know what else could happen? In two years from now, they could be in the fucking playoff. Correct. So let's let's talk. Let's try and be positive. I understand that everything's been negative for a long time, but that era is over. All right. So that said, I want to get your opinion on a couple more things. Number one. Do you like the move to the Pac-12? I know you're in Cali now, so you get to see them more. But do you like it? And what do you think about the potential of maybe being a Big Ten team? Because I've heard a lot of rumblings that the Big Ten wants to control every market in the United States. They got L.A. Denver is right in between Lincoln and Salt Lake City. If they can get Utah and Colorado to go to the Big Ten, maybe they can have a straight line you know, all the way to Rutgers, from Rutgers to UCLA and USC. So yeah, they, they just what do you think about that? Yeah, they just don't touch the South, right? Because SEC is the, the powerhouse. Yeah. SEC is the powerhouse. So, it you know, it's smart on their part, the Big Ten, to try to, you know, compete with the SEC because, you know, SEC – and listen, SEC has all the talent in the world. You look at all the draft picks from LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, monsters. 
I'm so sick of it, though. I'm so sick of hearing about uh, SEC teams. And I like when they go to the bowl games, get their ass whipped from non-SEC teams just because it's just that's the narrative. And they control, you know, they have this kind of monopoly on college football and all the big recruits want to go there to the NIL system. You know, those Alabama kids are making so much money. So if I'm the Pac-10 to compete, they're, they're doing the right moves. I like it because you don't want CU to be like this outcast you know, and we already made the change the to the Pac-12. You know, I'm curious how it's going to work with recruiting. Listen, if you build it, they would come with Dion, and he's so polarizing. He's going to get kids no matter what. But I do worry about, let's say they go to the, the, the Big Ten, it's tough for the fan base to, you know, fly to Ohio State and Northeastern and Penn State and all that stuff. So, and Wisconsin, it's a bit of a beast. So, it just it doesn't make sense. I I was pissed when they let, left the Big Twelve. I didn't like yeah, that. I, I didn't like it either. But I'm I don't. Used to- yeah, now there's nothing I can do. So I got I got. The only thing I really miss is I miss beating Nebraska and beating Kansas State. Other yeah. than that, the Big Twelve can get fucked. Yeah, I agree. And then Texas and Oklahoma, you know, they're going SEC, which okay, you know, there's gonna That's be there. I know. Enjoy that. So fun, dog. <laughs> yeah. So I, I get what the Big Ten's doing. I really do. I just. You know, I'm just curious how it works with the recruiting because your is your your family's not going to be able to see you know d- during these away games is, unless it's a you know a family that's pretty financially set. But uh, you know, it's it, that's the nature of the game we're in. In order to compete yeah. with SEC, the Big Ten's going to have to do something. So I like it. I like. All this. right, last question here for the thick Captain Thick Thick Boy. All right, <clears throat> Russell Wilson, go. Yeah. What happened? What, I mean, what happened to we pay you all this money and how do you go from like one of the best of the worst? I saw, the I saw worst. literally the, I mean, the worst, I don't, literally the worst. Uh, is it an altitude thing? It's like, uh, what happened, dude? I don't he, know, dog. Like, if you I, compared him before the season, I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't balling either, but he's injured. But you know, if you compared before the season, Aaron Rodgers, the best at one of the, I, my favorite, I love Aaron Rodgers. If you compared his stats with Russell Wilson's, they're almost identical. There's even argument Russell's are better in the playoffs. Me and my brother had this debate back and forth, and we looked it up. And we're like, oh, damn, Russell's balling. I, I, I can't wait for him to get to Denver. And so I saw this I saw this video on Instagram. It shows Russell Wilson, like, before this season. It was like, must have been during camp. And he's, like, doing the intro. And he's like, yeah, and he's, like, dancing, having a good time. They go, but how it really goes. And it shows his car off-road, just like – Running into trees. <laughs> oh my god! I just when you know, he does this before the games. I'm always saying, "Look, he's praying for players." <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, in the 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 coaching, I, I figured for sure they get rid of the GM and the coaching by now. The coaches. Well, Adam Schefter came out today and said that Hack, that Hackett. They don't know on Hackett. We'll see. He's gone, but they're not. They're getting. They're keeping the GM. So I I I don't know, bro. I. And especially in the in the AFC West, it I mean it's stacked, you know, with the with the Chiefs, you know, and then uh, the Raiders not having a great year. I thought they'd have a better year, and then you got the you know the Chargers doing, you know, they're decent. I watch Chargers more than any team out here because in LA they're always on, um, and the Rams suck this year, so it's whatever. But with the Broncos, it's just I thought, all right, this is our you know this is gonna be another Peyton Manning situation, plug and play. We're gonna ball out, and it just hasn't happened. It just hasn't happened. I don't wait. Oh, it now to be fair, it's not like he has a ton of help. You know, it's not like they're stacked, but so, a lot of his throws, it's not even you can just tell from even from a you know from a, a general consuming eye, it's it's he's just off. I I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. Yeah, it's it's become like 
it went from unbelievable hype to about a month in, everyone looked at each other in Denver and went, holy shit, they got fleeced. And it's just every week now, they're about to be 3-14. and 14, They won't win another game. They're about to be 3-14, and 14, the worst record in Bronco history with the worst offense in, like, the last 50 years in the NFL. And, and that's with a $250 million quarterback, dog. And the defense is good, but the thing that's screwed defense is outstanding. Uh, defense is so they'll, they'll lose games like six to three. Like, they just lost ten to nine in Baltimore. It, it, just get some shit together, man. We we're we're winning games. It's not so. I just it, with Russell Wilson, it's like you know, again, he, he doesn't have a ton of tools, so I'll give him that credit. Some of his throws are off. Maybe he's just frustrated. Well, Judy's probably our biggest asset. But when you looked at, it, you're like, you don't have a ton of guys to throw to. But it's Russell Wilson, so he'll figure it out. So. I, the, the thing that screws you is when you give the quarterback that much money, we're married to him. So we, we got to put some assets around him. So hopefully he's not. Who, who would you want as a coach? I mean, I know that's kind of a hard question, but. Deion Sanders. I think, for <laughs> <laughs> I think he can do both. Oh, fuck no, no, no. No, he'll do both. He'll do both. He'll do both. He'll do both. <laughs> See you on Saturdays, Broncos on Sundays, dude. Ah, oh, Brendan Schaub, my man. So glad you came on the show. Hey, keep doing your thing. Uh, everybody, tell everybody about what you're doing again tomorrow. Yeah, it's the Cowbats Fight Campaign with Barstool. That's at 5 p.m. Pacific on my live on my YouTube channel, live on Thick Boy on YouTube. That's thick with three C's, T-H-I-C-C-C. If it doesn't have three C's, it's fake. Um, so it's Thick Boy YouTube, and it's me, uh, Tay Swims. Adam 22, Rampage Jackson, Don Cerrone, and then Saturday for the big UFC 282, um, uh, which Patty Pimlet's fighting. We have uh, Brian Callen, Sam Tripoli, Frank Grillo, and myself. We might be adding a very special guest, which I'll tell you off air. It's an in interesting conversation. Um, but, yeah, just doing that. I'll be around town doing sets, and I'll announce my tour uh, next, uh, probably er in the next few days once I have everything finalized. And then uh, my whiskey, just Tiger Thick Whiskey and get at thickboy.com, doing the whiskey, man. Just out here hustling, man, trying to be like you, big dog. Love it. Love you, brother. Go Buffs and uh, keep up those dukes. Dude, go Buffs. Hey, fucking man, go Buffs. And a huge thanks to Rico's Burritos for all that they do, uh, bringing you the Savage Podcast. This is Matt McChesney from Savage and Average, the owner and operator down here at Six Zero Football Academy. And I want to talk to you about our friends over at Rico's Burritos. Uh, the Rico burritos keep me rolling on a daily basis. My sons eat them constantly. My 12-year-old my over here is staring at me right now as he scarfs down uh, another one of these badass burritos from Rico's Burritos. It's a hearty 10-ounce breakfast burrito offered in eight different flavors, three delicious uh, breakfast combinations, five scrumptious lunch, lunch options, and the, the pride that is taken in offering a high-end restaurant-quality burrito uh, is second to none. The finest ingredients you can find, authentic recipes that have been in the Garcia family for 30 years. Uh, young Cruz is in the program over here working his ass off on a daily basis. Uh, Rick Garcia, his father played at Oregon State back in the day. and they, they put the same passion and intensity that they have in every walk of life and their training and chasing everything down that they want into their family business, Rico's Burritos. Uh, for over 30 years, the ingredients and flavors uh, have been identified as the best in the business. And the moment you bite into one of these unbelievably delicious burritos, you will know. Uh, check it out. The website is www.ricosburritos.com. That's www. 
R-I-C-O-S-B-U-R-R-I-T-O-S dot com. And it'll give you all the locations, how to purchase the burritos, so on and so forth. On Facebook and Instagram, Facebook is at Rico's Burritos, and Instagram is Real Rico's Burritos. That is Rico's Burritos, a proud sponsor of Savage and Average over here at 6-0 Football Academy, and we are rolling. And it is my honor and pleasure to bring in my man, Andrew Mustard Tiger from 247, uh, to talk about the Colorado Buffaloes and their recruiting and so much more. Uh, Adam, how are you, brother? Welcome to the show. Thanks for waiting. Of course, Matt. It's always good to come on with you. It's uh, been a whirlwind ride here uh, since Boy, yeah, Coach yeah. Prime went in Boulder, just trying to keep up with all the recruiting that they're doing right now is challenging, but uh, it's been a fun ride. I mean, they're in the mix for uh, lots of blue chip guys. It's just been something that I haven't covered in 20 years on this beat. It, it's it's pretty remarkable, the the effect that uh, he's already having. When did you come on the beat for the for the bus? It was 03. I was kind of 03. a cub reporter. Okay. Yeah, late right, during cool. your your time up there. Yep. So yeah, my so you were there the, the last time we won a bowl game. Shit, bro. Hey, 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 hey. Um, so look, man, I was just up there meeting with the, the new staff. Coach Prime's not there yet. He gets back tonight to to have a huge recruiting weekend. Apparently, they got a lot of kids coming in. We were we went over players for a good two and a half hours. Coach O'Boyle seems like he's got his P's and Q's in mind. Coach Williams got his stuff together. Uh, excited to to meet the new OC, who's a, a definitely a head coach. You can tell he's a head coach when he sits down with you, uh, Coach Lewis. It, that was an awesome conversation. Just talk about the staff before we get into the players. How impressed with, are you with the staff they put together? I think he almost landed Mike Zimmer. What happened with that? I never reported on that. I know that there were some reports coming out of Minnesota. Maybe there were some conversations there, but. From what I had heard pretty much all along, it was trending towards Charles Kelly from Alabama getting the job. He was the defensive coordinator at Florida State uh, for a few years. Obviously, that's Deion Sanders' alma mater, and so right. uh, they, they have a connection. But with Sean Lewis, uh, that that's, as one of our national recruiting analysts said, that's going to be as good a coordinator hire as you see in college football this year. As I was in the early process of covering this coaching search, uh, we put together these hot boards of different candidates for the head coaching job in Boulder. And Sean Lewis, he wasn't high on my second coaching hot board, but he was on there because of the job that he did at Kent State, which is one of the toughest jobs in the country. In the country, I mean, they play three Power Five opponents pretty much every year. And, uh, you know, he had them winning seven games twice. And in 2020, they had a bunch of games canceled due to COVID. But they had the number one ranked offense in terms of yards per game that, that season. Runs an up-tempo scheme that so many coaches have come through Boulder trying to implement that up-tempo scheme to take advantage of the altitude. And they just have not been able to do that. But Sean Lewis, if anybody can do it, he's the guy to do it up in Boulder. So just really impressed with him. And Tim Brewster who obviously has connections to Colorado, was an assistant coach for the Denver Broncos for a while. His sons played at Mullen and went on to play college football. And he's known as a really good recruiter. And, and if you follow his social media, he's out there. All uh, over the place. All over the place. And he's going to be a you know a, a huge get for this coaching staff. And, and Nick Williams, who uh, comes over from Texas A&M, he was an analyst there. He's got 
deep ties to the state of Georgia, brought a lot of blue chip guys in a, you know, on-campus role to both Georgia and Texas A&M. He's expected to coach the defense alignment. So they're putting together a staff with guys that, that recruit. I think that's one of the things, if you're going to be on Coach Prime staff, you're going to have to be able to you know, hold your weight as far as that goes. And, you know, there, there have been some good recruiters that have come through Boulder uh, in, in my time covering Colorado, but I've never seen a staff that, you know, has it from top to bottom. And, and we still don't know a couple of the spots on, on Coach Prime's staff, but all the guys he's brought in have been known as pretty top-level recruiters so far. I'll tell you this, the, the conversations we had today was eye-opening. You know, in the past, the conversations would go, you know, who else likes the kid? How do you think he can develop? The conversations today were, we like this kid. Can he play? And I, it was, it was almost, I'm not going to say the other staffs didn't do their job because they did. Now, Colorado's a destination in the eyes of this generation. And I've always said this, but Colorado has been irrelevant in the most relevant time of college football, which is the social media era. And it's fine. They finally have a presence. Now their coach is on social media rather than Darrell hadn't done a tweet in four years and doesn't even know what it is. So I think that the ability for Rick George to, to really identify, you know, coach Dion for what he does on the field, but also what he brings off the field is, is big time. Um, I, I knew about this about 10 days beforehand. I was helping Joel behind the scenes and talking with Bloom and, you know, trying to help, you know, Ray, uh, Prime's right-hand man, get a jump on some of this recruiting. It was pretty hard to contain myself, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but all that said, do you think that he's the kind of guy that can actually turn this place around? Like, to, even though, look, recruits are recruits. New, Rick, if anybody remembers Rick Neuheisel's time in CU, he recruited the shit out of people. I mean, that entire 2001 recruiting class was Neuheisel guys. And he, you know... He had a five-win season in there where, where they were ranked nationally in the top ten and they went five and seven. So I'm not saying that only recruits works. Do you really think that they can turn this around as fast as people think they can? Well, if you tuned into the SWAC championship game and watched Jackson State, that's a well-coached football team. And I oh, understand they're, they're, they're competing at the FCS level, but you could just see that Coach Prime is not just bringing talent there. He's holding his coaches accountable and – you're bringing on a, a Sean Lewis with his experience as a play caller and Charles Kelly with his experience as a play caller. It's not just coach prime and you know, the, the hype that's built up around the recruiting side, you know, he's bringing in really solid coaches as well. So he's bringing yeah, in head coaches. He is. And like that, that's something that other head coaches don't do. Why, why do you think prime is so apt to do that? Yeah, it, Matt, there was a, a pretty talented junior college defensive back that tried to commit to Colorado, put it out on Twitter with his announcement. I did some digging. It's not a committable offer from them. They're having to turn away kids right now. That, that's, that's how. Wow. What? The, the what? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know this more than anybody, you know, there's this undercurrent with recruiting. And if it's not cool to go somewhere, Kids don't really want to do that. You know, you've seen that with in-state kids. When your peers Unfortunately. are, are going to snicker at you for, for committing to Colorado, it's going to prevent you from wanting to do that. And so now, just overnight, th that has completely flipped uh, a 180. I mean, it, 
Deion Sanders wasn't even in Boulder for 12 hours and they picked up a five-star commitment from a 2025 recruit out of Florida receiver, Winston Watkins Jr. So I've never seen, I don't know if it's happened in college football where you've gone from the worst power five to now all of a sudden a destination spot. It's just really incredible. Do you see this trend continuing? I mean, look, there's no other Deion Sanders, but if you're, okay, everybody's worried about him leaving early, right? Who's to say that next year, uh, another fledgling program around the country that has a ton of money and history is like, okay, we're just going to give him 10 million bucks to come do the same exact thing he did in Boulder. What's to stop him from just exiting then and using the transfer portal to take everybody there? Because I know that's a huge concern with a lot of Buff fans. Yeah, well. Nothing? Wait, what I'd say is that expect – Deion Sanders to be in Boulder for two years because Shadour Sanders is transferring over. And I don't know, maybe he has uh, an incredible season next year and, and goes pro. I guess we, we don't know that. But you come in and win the Heisman and win 11 games, you can leave. Yeah. But <laughs> where were we a week ago, Matt? You know, it's a week ago, I had my head underneath the pillow watching us get beat 63 to 21, going, when will this fucking yeah. end? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the, the PTSD because of Mel Tucker's departure is there, and it could happen again. You, you hope it doesn't happen in February again. Obviously, you, you do want to be on the calendar where you can uh, not be in a panic mode like Rick George and those guys were when Mel Tucker left. But, yeah, that, that, that is true. There, there's a, a real possibility that if Coach Prime has a lot of success in Boulder, he'll get poached. Uh, but you know what? You'll be in a better spot then than you were when you hired him. And so uh, I would say for any Colorado fans out there, just enjoy this ride and, and try not to set expectations that he's going to be in Boulder for 10 years because you might get let down. So uh, from that standpoint, it's a little bit different than I, I think when, when Mel Tucker left. Yeah, and also I think that a couple of years from now, they're going to be really flush with cash. So they'll be able to match him. And say, why would you want to leave? We'll just match your salary. And that's what that's what good programs do. That's what Old Miss just did. Lane Kiffin used Old Miss or used Auburn to get more money. They gave more money and kept it. So that's the business of college football, and we'll just have to deal with it. Look, you are about as interwoven into the recruiting uh, more so than anybody I know around here. Uh, where do you foresee them going here on a, on a couple of guys in a couple of situations like? Is there anything you can tell, uh, you know, buff country out here that they may not know? Well, when Coach Prime came in, they, they had to reevaluate the guys that were in the, on the commitment list. They had 20 commitments, nine of those 20 they're wanting to keep. And uh, so th that's a little less than half the class wow. uh, is going to stick on board. Uh, and then they quickly added a new offensive lineman, Jordan Hall from Ohio, 6'8", 320. Uh, is pretty new to, to playing football, only a year and a half of, of experience, but he was uh, first team all state in Ohio, a pretty, uh, you know, talent deep state in terms of uh, football talent. And th th they're shooting for the stars, Matt. They they're going after Caden Proctor, who's a five-star offensive tackle from Iowa. He's been committed to the Hawkeyes. He's uh, grown up cheering for Iowa. So that, that's going to be a tough guy to pull, but Tim Brewster and those guys were out for an in-home visit yesterday. So they are shooting for the stars. Brandon Innes is a five-star receiver that's committed to Ohio State. 
they're taking a swing at him. Malachi Coleman is a four-star athlete from Nebraska that was committed to the the Huskers. (laughs) Michigan's going after him. They're they're after him. Tim Brewster was out in Nebraska visiting him today. I mentioned they they already got a five-star commitment for 2025. And so, yeah, and – you know, there's going to be talent coming with Coach Prime from from Jackson State. Obviously, he recruited Travis Hunter, the number one ranked overall recruit in the country, last recruiting cycle to Jackson State, and it sounds like he's going to follow him to Boulder. So, uh, they're hitting the transfer portal hard. It's going to be a huge recruiting weekend. Uh, don't have the. They're still working to finalize that list for this weekend. But when when I get that, I'm going to report on that on BuffStampede.com. But I'd imagine there's going to be a lot of stars attached to. Uh, the visitors are coming out to Boulder this weekend. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, okay, so what do you think this means for local Colorado talent? I know that people are really excited about that, but I have a feeling that there will be a lot of families that are, I've already had to tell multiple people that are like, hey, you think my son has a chance to play at Boulder? And I have to say flat, no. And I, like that's my job. My job is to tell hard truth sometimes. And I'm sorry, but there's where... Like in the past, the kid could walk on there to see if he could develop. They're not going to take that guy anymore. And in the past where you could have no stars in Colorado and you could be like a really good athlete that they just find underneath the radar, I don't know if they're going to go down those roads anymore, which may make it even harder for Colorado kids to be in Boulder more. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think you're right. You correct me if you don't agree with this, but no, there, I might only, there, there, only, there might only be five to seven kids in the state in a given year that might be good enough to play up in Boulder. And, and in their eyes, I mean, based on the conversation I just had, that's pretty much the way it's going to go. Yeah, it's the same as if uh, you were a young man or if you were a trainer in Ohio, you know, that in Ohio State is the, the kid's dream school. You're, you, yep. That's all of a sudden where Colorado recruiting is. And it's, but it's do, you, just, do you think this will help CSU, too, if they're smart? Or like the, maybe some of the guys who are going to go to Boulder, now they can pick up as well. I know we don't report on the sheet, but it's I'd, I'd much prefer to beat their ass when they're good so they don't have any excuses. Yeah, I guess that would open up some spots. You know, in recent years, you know, the top kids haven't been going to Colorado anyway. So I don't know. They they would probably end up, most of them, going out of state to a Power 5, right, rather than go go up to CSU, unless they get that thing going and they start winning some more games up in Fort Collins. So next year, September 8th, is the first home game. It's Nebraska. We've got them back inside Folsom. Uh, (laughs) I've been going back and forth with Will Compton on Instagram uh, in the direct messages, trying to get busting the boys out here for the game, and he's talking shit. And I think he's forgot that, like, since 2001, we're seven and seven, and we beat them two times in a row. So <clears throat> the rivalry is, even though we don't play for anything anymore, it's still at a height. Do you really think we're going to be able to keep all the red out of that place? And how big of a game do you think that's going to be? Because I think everybody and their mother is going to be here, including College Game Day. Those Huskers fans find a way in. Now, I don't think it's going to be like quite like. Roaches, bro. <laughs> yeah, in 2019, what was it? Probably about 50 50. I would say I, remember. I was in the stadium and I was like, son of a bitch, how did this happen? Yeah. Yeah. That said, that said, when they were up 17 to 7, they were talking shit. And then when they lost 31 24, I was talking shit. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think they still probably get in. Maybe a third will be good. Red. I just, I, 
yeah, I don't know how they, they pull it off, but they, they find a way, like you said, like cockroaches to get in there. I, I don't think you're going to be able to keep, uh, you know, the, the, you know, but I think it'll look more black and gold this, this fall with the matchup than it did uh, a few years ago. I don't think you're going to be seeing a lot of empty seats in Folsom for the years to come, to say the least, which, you know, like a part of me, like a selfish part of me inside, which everybody has. I'm like, well, what are all these people jumping on the bandwagon for? All these people who weren't Buff fans, who weren't there in the bad times. But I'm not going to turn anybody. I'm not mad at people for jumping on the bandwagon. But I'll tell you this, bro. The respect I have for you and for Brian Howell and for the guys who have been covering this fucking team for the last, you know, what, 12 years, 13, 14, two decades, however long you guys have been doing it. And we've had a winning season, one season that I can like really hang my hat on and be proud of in that entire time. And you guys still went to work every day and busted your ass and provided, you know, the, the buff community with a lot of really good insight. And now what I thought was the classiest part of the press conference was when Rick George gave the questions to you and Brian. And I was like, that's the fucking way it's supposed to be. Just elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, Brian and I have seen a lot of bad football. And the crazy thing is when you're a beat writer, you're getting to the stadium really early. You're you're still working four, five, six hours after the game ends. So I don't get to see a lot of other college football. So most of my college football viewing the last 20 years has been pretty, pretty rough to watch. But, you know, we're still getting getting paid to to cover it, right? So, I mean, there – we're definitely fortunate from that standpoint, but it's tested us. And, and so th- this has been exciting to, you know, finally get a chance to, to talk about blue chip recruits coming out to Boulder and, and see smiles on people's faces. I, I got to the touchdown club about an hour early on Sunday and I hadn't seen that many smiles in, in a long, long time. So it's not just Brian and I, it's, you know, the fans that, that have been loyal. I was joking the other day. It's, <laughs> You know, Ohio State has those helmet decals. There almost should be some de- designation for fans that go into Folsom next year. The the OGs that would have suffered. Had you, had, had you suffered through 2012 and <laughs> in, in last year and, and kept the faith? I mean, you got all you see fans out there that, that were able to get through that and not turn in your buff card. You definitely uh, deserve some some credit for that. And Matt, I'm going to campaign for you. You need to be able to give some type of uh, you know speech at practice that week leading up to the Nebraska game because uh, I hope the so. Buffaloes, I the Buffaloes were were one and zero last season when uh, you, you were given that opportunity. They looked like a football team when I went and talked to them. They won 2013. They looked awesome. I mean, shit. So look, I, I'll be com- campaigning for that. You know, I I was hoping to be able to go up there and help Coach Prime on his staff, but it, it doesn't matter. I'll be able to help him from six zero as I do every other staff. Um, I really like Coach Joe Boyle. I met with Williams. They had great, great meeting today. The one thing I will say is this. After meeting with Coach Prime and his guys and the meeting with the pretty much the entire offensive and defensive staffs today, they are all hyper-focused on winning and turning it around. And, you know, they understand that it's been bad. And they understand that this is a wounded animal. And wounded animals react you know, sometimes they react poorly. And, and you know, the Buffalo community, I'm begging you, even if they start slow, they're at TCU. TCU's a playoff team. They're home against Nebraska and Colorado State. We have a ruthless schedule again. And that's the way we like it in Boulder. We want to play good teams. You got to give this guy time to build. I was just had Brandon Schaub on, and 
or Brendan Schaub on, and he was awesome. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to any of it, but he, he advocated for that too. Let him build, let him build. Do you think that, and I hate to, I hate to tie this in, but do you think that the whole Russell Wilson thing is going to scar people or the Mel Tucker thing going to scar people more? Which one? Uh, yeah. uh, it's hard. <laughs> it, it will. He does have to build, but Matt, this is a, a different era of college football with the transfer portal. Oh, am I wrong to think that they need time? They're not going to win a Pac-12 championship, I don't think, next year. But I think they're going to be competitive and win a lot of games in year one under him. You can just rebuild a lot quicker. TCU, like you mentioned, is a playoff team this year. They have a brand new coaching staff this year. That actually, I didn't think that TCU was going to do that well in the season opener against Colorado for that reason and was proved dead wrong there. Uh, Colorado with coach prime coming in, you know, not only gets, uh, you know, a head coach that is going to re-energize this program, they're getting his son at quarterback, which is, you know, if you watch the SWAC championship game, he did some things in that game that I haven't seen a quarterback in Boulder doing in a really long time. I mean, you got to go all the way back to 97 since the, the last time the Buffs had a quarterback drafted. And I think Shador Sanders is a legit NFL quarterback. So you fix that position, overnight and you bring in all this talent we're talking about it's going to take a little time to mesh i don't think they're going to win necessarily 10 plus games next year but i'd be shocked if they're not a bowl team at least and uh you know so in that standpoint yes you need to build and that's by recruiting on the fast track that they are right now but again that one-time transfer exemption these guys are going to be eligible to play next year and so I think that fixes the problems that they have from a roster standpoint pretty quick. Uh, and the last question I got for you here, Adam, is the spring game has been a no-show forever. No one showed up when I played. Like the, the spring game in Lincoln is full. The spring, the spring game in Ohio State's full. The spring game in, in Michigan's full. People like to go see their team. How hard do you think it's going to be to get a spring game ticket this this year? Based off uh, our subscription growth and, and the page views on our website since Coach Prime was hired, uh, I mean, it's it's incredible the amount of interest that's been built up overnight. I think not necessarily a sellout for Folsom Field for the spring game, but I, I think it's going to be by far the best spring game attendance we've ever seen. If I had to guess, maybe two-thirds of the stadium will be full. Uh, you know, Colorado people in the springtime, they've got a lot of other things they want to be doing. But I, just based on the interest that level that I'm seeing on our website here the last week, I, I think it's going to be by far the be- best atmosphere we've seen up there. And instead of seeing, you know, no offense to Jack Castera, but like it's been like a walk on show up at CU for the spring game in recent years. And Coach Prime understands the way in which to sell your program is to create excitement and all the social media buzz that they create. I think he's going to do some cool things for that spring game. That's going to draw some more eyeballs to it than, than we've seen in recent years. Rick Ross. Eh. 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 T.I. Anybody? <laughs> We're going to be throwing concerts at Folsom before games and after games this year. So I don't think I don't think you want to invite Snoop Dogg based on what happened at uh, Kansas Midnight at the Fog a few years ago. They they had stripper poles uh, on the court, but uh, I don't right. know. Maybe everything's legal now, so shit, you might want to. <laughs> uh, and that's why I'm not the recruiting coordinator. All right, uh, Adam Mustard, thank you so much for coming on the show. Everybody, make sure 
you follow Adam. Tell them where they can find you, brother. Buffstampede.com and on Twitter at AdamCM777. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome, brother. And uh, thank you for all you do. Eh? What a great show here on the Savage Podcast. Big thanks to Brendan Schaub and Adam Tiger for taking the time to come and talk about the Colorado Buffaloes and so much more uh, here on the Savage Podcast. I'd imagine this is going to grow like everything else, and we're going to be posting on all the different platforms. I was on TikTok Live earlier when I got kicked off because I said midget. Now I can't be on live till the 15th because I said midget. They are midgets. I don't get it. So uh, I'm Matt McChesney. Big thanks to Travis Jones behind the mic. Remember, you can go to our YouTube page and subscribe. Uh, check out the Savage Podcast there and all we do at 6-0 on all the different platforms at 6-0 Academy on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I wish they could come up with a better name for that because there's nothing worse than asking another dude, what's your TikTok? I'm Matt McChesney. That's Travis Jones. Peace.